Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome to Star Trek Picard, less than a week before release. This is our our coming together and to talk about Picard before we see Picard. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Are I, you giddy, is. Paul? Are you giddy? I am. I'm 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 very excited. You know, I've been watching it. I, you know, normally I avoid trailers and things like that, especially if I know I'm going to watch the program. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I will say that the stuff that I've seen hasn't been spoilerific, um, which is good, you know, because I, I, I don't want to have anything spoiled for me. Yeah, I, I, I likewise, I did watch a uh, an Instagram video interview of uh, of uh, Jean of Jean Luc of Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that CBS All Access released, and it had a few more scenes that than that I think I've seen before. Uh, that, yeah, and I was they, like, they, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> do the interview without that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, you you sent that to me, right? Well, because and, uh, it's, so it's, I it's that a disease. Morning. I got I I got infected. You had to be infected too. Oh, that's the worst, isn't it? Like, oh, hey, I, this, I accidentally read a spoiler on this article. Or, hey, there's a spoiler in the title of this article. And then you send the article. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly like that, Paul. Yeah, that's what that's what Aaron did to me. Yeah, it's, it's what I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, hey, Paul, I finished my first novel of uh, the new year. Uh, oh. I uh, I listened to the audiobook of Nicholas Meyer's The Adventure of the Peculiar Protocols, a brand new Sherlock Holmes novel. And uh, those of you who uh, are familiar with Nicholas Meyer will know that he has written, I think, four other Sherlock Holmes no- novels over the uh, last several decades. Um, my favorite of which is the seven percent solution that uh, deals heavily with Sherlock Holmes's cocaine addiction. Um, I love his take on Sherlock Holmes, and I, I was thrilled that there was a new Holmes book coming out because I had no idea that it was coming out, and I just devoured this one. And if you uh, get the audio book, what one of the nice things that uh, about this book is that it's handled like a found manuscript. And, you know, it's like, you know, this lost Watson manuscript, uh, you know, was discovered and that Nicholas Meyer was brought in to help authenticate the lost Watson manuscript. And so while you've got a narrator uh, reading the, the story to you, anytime there's a footnote, Nicholas Meyer comes in and gives you a footnote about, you know, what scholars believe about, you know, this reference. It's really kind of cool. Uh, I, I like how well produced the audiobook is. Hmm. Yeah, it is really good. And I got to tell you, uh, it's sort of a commentary. 
this novel because it deals with uh, a bit of propaganda that was written in the era of Tsar uh, uh, Nicholas, um, in which they were blaming all of Russia's uh, uh, ills on the Jews. You know that that it, it deals with a a global conspiracy of Jews to take over the world. And this is a real-life world document. It's called uh, uh, The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, I believe is what it, how, how it's referred. And it's actually real-world. I'd never heard of this document before. And Holmes is investigating it, you know, to debunk it. Uh, and, of course, you know, it, 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 as we know in history, it is a false document. It was, it was created uh, by Russians uh, to uh, blame the problems of Russia on, on the Jews, but it has been used by other societies since then. It is really very timely in how uh, propaganda is used today. I mean, I, I feel like this is Nicholas Meyer's commentary on fake news, and it really hit me square between the eyes. I really enjoyed this book, both for it was nice to visit with Watson and Holmes again as uh, viewed through the, the lens of Nicholas Meyer, but also uh, I appreciated the depth of the story, that it wasn't just a rollicking good time, but that it was also uh, a commentary on today. And whether or not you agree with his take on that, uh, I just thought it was rather thought provoking. So you know, it, it gave you a lot of a, a lot of meat uh, for for your entertainment dollar. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Did you read the book or did you listen to the audio book? I did the audio book. Who reads the audio book? Uh, the audio, I can tell you that. Uh, ah. It's it's not a star. Uh, ah, okay. But yeah, never but, but very competent narrator. I mean, I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the audio of it. Uh, and I really got a kick out of Nicholas Meyer uh, coming in, you know, talking about the, the footnotes. And he does – I mean there is – at the end of the book, there is a very detailed uh, post note from the author about uh, how the, uh, the uh, protocols have been used up to today. I mean you know, people are still using this document. That again, propaganda during the the reign of Tsar Nicholas, and people still use it today. Uh, as recently as Vladimir Putin using it, he he blamed uh, the Jews for the tampering with the uh, uh, U.S. election in 2016, uh, as opposed to you know himself. So you know the Russians still getting some mileage off of this document they developed, uh, you know, uh, almost 200 years ago. I actually think I remember that document. Um or, you know, seeing something about that document when I went to the Holocaust Museum. Oh, yeah. Uh, in yeah. 2019, again, last year. Yeah, I they, mean. They have a, a, a bit about that. Absolutely. You know, it is, it is you know, certainly an anti-Semitic document. And, you know, all sorts of horrible people have used it to excuse terrible things they've done uh, to people of Jewish descent over the years. I, I am... I was fascinated uh, by the story. And, you know, again, I had not heard of the document itself. And, you know, one of the, one of the fun things that, you know, it's hard to say fun when you're talking about something so terrible, but one of the fun things Nicholas Meyer does in this book is he brings in historical figures, you know. So it's, it's kind of fun to meet historical figures talking to your Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. It's a great book. Really enjoyed it. And, you know, I enjoyed it so much in the audiobook. I'm going to buy the hardcover and uh, read it as well because I, it was just such a well crafted tale that I, it's something I want to read again. And I want to put it up on the shelf with my other uh, uh, Nicholas Meyer Holmes books. 
And what was the name of this one again? This is called The Adventure of the Peculiar Protocols. <laughs> and we're not sponsored by it. Aaron, just like the book. <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah. I, well, and it, it's Star Trek adjacent, right? Because Nicholas Meyer was involved with the creation of Star Trek Discovery. Yep. And uh, directed uh, Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan and mm-hmm. uh, executive produced a couple of others. Didn't he also uh, direct The Undiscovered Country? Or am I imagining that? Uh, yes, he did direct Undiscovered Country. Which is my favorite. Yeah. So you know, I, I, you know Nicholas Meyer. He, he is a straight up Star Trek guy, and uh, I don't think he's involved with Discovery anymore. And you know, there there was talk that uh, he was going to be involved in a CBS All Access uh, con story, but uh, I haven't heard any any murmurs on that. However, I did see a, a, an article this week that said um, they're working in addition to the Section Thirty One. Star Trek show that CBS All Access is working on. There are two other untitled, unannounced live action Star Trek shows they're working on. Two others, Paul. Hmm. A live action. Of, yeah. Interesting. Others. I wonder what that could be. I have no idea. I mean, it could be anything, right? I mean, yeah. you know, they're they're really not limited to any particular stories. And uh, now that we're getting a glimpse of what the future looks like post Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, I think that's all, all pretty exciting. And I apologize. My uh, phone is announcing things to me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Your phone is very excited about the news. It, it, you know, woo! Woo! <laughs> More Star Trek. Because, you know, eventually they're going to rename CBS All Access to Star Trek All Access. Yeah, and it would make the, more money, I think. It's the only damn thing worth watching on CBS All Access. It is. I, you know, I don't think that Twilight Zone... Oh, it sucked. Really, I, mean, I, I know it sucked, <laughs> but I don't think it also connected with audiences. Well, you know, I, I, I think that it's a huge mistake to create a streaming service in which you really haven't thought through what's going to be on your streaming service. You know, this is, let's have a streaming service. What are we going to put on? I don't know. We'll put some Star Trek on there and uh, something else. We'll put some. And The Good Wife or The Good yeah. Life the good or fight. whatever the hell it the is. The Good Fight. The Good Fight. Which, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I keep getting these advertisements on my Instagram saying, stream the new season of The Good Fight right now. And I'm like. Shouldn't that just be stream the newest season of The Good Fight? Because <laughs> that was last year. Yeah, <laughs> you know? new. yeah that was like last spring. Well, I think I went, I... My wife watches that show. We've talked about that before. My mm-hmm. wife loves that show. And so I went out there to go see because CBS All Access exists as a channel for me on my Prime. So you really have to go to it to see what new has happened because it doesn't send you alerts through the Prime app. Um, so, you know, I went into CBS All Access this morning to see if there was actually a, a new season of Good Fight out there, and no. And I went online to see if they've announced the new season of Good Fight as to when it's going to uh, drop, and they haven't done that. So, you know, I figure it's probably going to be March, April again, but, you know, who knows? But I'm, I'm, I'm horribly amused that there's literally nothing other than Star Trek on CBS All Access that I am interested in watching. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we've already mentioned that Picard's coming back. They've not announced a return date for Discovery, to my no, knowledge. No, but I, but I assume it will be summertime. Yeah, be, but last year it was in – I think, you know, it, the, the wait between seasons is getting longer and longer on yeah. Discovery because last year it premiered, I believe, in January. Well, it's not as painful, though, if you've got other Star Trek content. Exactly. Right? As long as you have, you know, this uh, Picard thing, which yeah. I guess is eight episodes, ten episodes, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're also going to get the after Star Trek. I think it's called The Ready Room with uh, Mr. Will Wheaton. They announced that this week. 
So you remember uh, in Star Trek Discovery Season 1, the after show you had was that terrible, terrible after track. <laughs> with well, and you, by, by remember, Aaron means he remembers because I didn't watch any of that. Oh, my God. It was terrible. I don't love after shows that talk about the show that you just watched. You know, I I don't want to watch an after show where the uh, people on the show can't or won't talk about anything mm-hmm. other than, oh, yeah, isn't the show we just watched pretty cool? Yeah. Because um, what's the point? <laughs> you know, um, and all that was all Matt Mowry did because everybody he talked to was under an NDA. And, you know, they, they, they I, I also can't stand live questions from a call in audience. <laughs> you know, I edit that shit, man. I, I don't want to hear that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Matt Myra after track. And I got to say, as much as I enjoy Matt Myra, you know, he's on some, he does the James Bonding podcast, which is fantastic. And I really enjoy him or have enjoyed him on the, in the past with his, uh, podcast adventures, uh, on the Nerdist, um, could not abide him on the after track. And I, you know, I don't, I mm-hmm. honestly, I, I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that they just didn't give him much meat, you know, they didn't give him much to chew on. So hopefully Will Wheaton has a better, um, chance at this. And I think one of the things that, that will work for him is that Will Wheaton knows a lot of the people who are involved. Um, and so hopefully that, that, that credibility allows him, if they can't talk about something, um, they can't talk about the future of Picard. At least they can talk about, hey, remember back when we did that show Next Generation? Let's tell some fun stories from that. Yeah. I mean, that you could know. be an interesting watch. Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, I like Will Wheaton enough to watch that. So mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll, give that a ch- I'll give that a shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll have to let me know how it is because I'm not. <laughs> I, I will let you know, Paul. And I I'm not particularly you know. fond of Will Wheaton either. Will I like Will Wheaton. Wheaton. I, I, I like Wheaton. 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 No, I do. I like him. I, I, I think he's a good guy. And uh, uh, I, I appreciate his uh, Star Trek journey. You know, that he, he I did not. I was one of those guys who couldn't stand Wesley Crusher when uh, he was the obnoxious Will Robinson kid mm-hmm. on uh, on Star Trek The Next Generation. But I felt like uh, when they put him in the red officer's uniform and, you know, gave him a little bit more fallibility. You know, rather than just being super smart kid, um, I, I really felt like they, they had done something well with the character. I didn't like where his character wound up, where he just you know wandered off into the cosmos with uh, the traveler. I didn't like that. Oh yeah, uh, and, I, and I always felt like they missed a real opportunity. I think Star Trek is particularly bad about this, Paul, that they don't recognize the opportunity to carry characters forward. And so here you had, you know, uh, an actor, Will Wheaton, who is a generation uh, younger than uh, the actors on the show. He's really he was a logical next step to another Star Trek franchise back in the day. And, you know, they, they sacrificed that. And I just, I'll never, and I think that was peak on the part of, uh, uh, Rick Berman, who was pissed off at him that he wanted off the show. Um, and that they, they, he just, they didn't think about Star Trek in general that, hey, you know, make the, have this guy carry forward into his role in Starfleet. Right. Have him become an officer so that in, in, in the future, when you're going to have another Star Trek show and there will be another Star Trek show, you can bring him in. I'm not saying yeah. he's the captain of a ship because, you know, Will Wheaton is more of a character actor than a uh, than a lead. But, you know, he'd be great as, you know, your first officer, your science officer or something like that. Does and Will I, I Wheaton just, still act? I mean, other than playing himself. 
Uh, I not that I have seen. I haven't seen him in a movie. I but you know I do read that he he uh, auditions, and I know he's uh, doing a lot of book narration now. Like he does all the John, he does most of the John Scalzi books, and they just did a re-recording of The Martian of Andy Weir's The Martian. Friend of the podcast, Andy Weir. By the way, go check out that interview on the uh, on the Funny Books feed because uh, that is a great interview with Andy Weir. But anyway, they just re-recorded like. Uh, they re-released it like two weeks ago, the the Martian novel, but this time narrated mm-hmm. by uh, Will Wheaton. And I got to say, I've really enjoyed his narration of uh, the John Scalzi books. I think he does a good job with that. Hmm. Interesting. He, he has a good reading voice, I think, particularly for comedy. I think he I think he is more uh, uh, his his tone and style lean more towards comedy than hard mm-hmm. drama. And I think that will, he, he does have a, a knack for being a smart ass. So I imagine that he'll do really well at the Martian. Hmm. So well, you're, right. you're, you're concerned about how much I know about Will Wheaton, aren't you? A, a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is the Will Wheaton cast and I didn't sign up for that, Aaron. I did not sign that contract. Before we jump in and talk about the latest short trek, I want to revisit one of the previous short treks because mm-hmm. I forgot to ask you about this when we talked about uh, what was it? It was the Tribble episode. Was it the Trouble with Edward? Is that what it was called? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so did you stay all the way through that episode for the post credit scene? I did. With the uh, okay. serial commercial? Yes. Okay. Because yes. I think a lot of people didn't. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think to, but yeah, yeah. I did. That post credit scene with the serial commercial is fucking hysterical. It really is. And the the reason That's why part I, of that episode it, it really is. Um, the reason why I, I want to draw attention to that is Star Trek is notoriously bad at comedy, in my opinion. Um, ever since the original series, uh, you know, when you front there are there are comedic episodes in the original series that I think work really well, but after that. The comedy is sparse that works. Um, I think Deep Space Nine had a good sense of it when they did stuff like, you know, uh, Our Man Bashir. You know, I, th- I thought that worked really well. Yeah. But Next Generation in particular was terrible at comedy. Yeah. Um, it just played as stupid. Um, and that was certainly true in the films, you know, uh, just the comedy just didn't work. And it was so refreshing to see the, uh, the episode have such a funny bit to it, uh, with the, with the, uh, post-it scene on, on the Tribbles commercial, you know, they, uh, you know, they're, they're full of flavor. Mmm, meaty. Uh, just, I, I loved the, the Tribble cereal com- commercial. Yeah, me too. That was it. Was they're, very well done. They're pregnant with flavor. That's what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, good job with with the comedy there with the yucks. Thanks for bringing the yucks. And nothing's nothing is more full of yucks, Paul. More full of fun and laughter and really warm, tingly feelings than Children of Mars. <laughs> so children of mars is the latest short treks and um is essentially like a music video for peter gabriel's remake of the david bowie song heroes yeah, it, it, tell me you weren't just excited to hear that as soon as the song started i'm like oh, i love this song yeah it's song. <laughs> it, it is song. one of my favorite peter gabriel songs and i'm a big peter gabriel fan ditto yeah I, I, I'm, though i mean maybe shock the monkey would have been better, but uh. yeah, I mean, probably would have been more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, it was so. This is an episode, um, Children of Mars, where 
there are we we follow two young what young women uh-huh. um and they're schoolgirls they're schoolmates but they have a rivalry uh they're kind of shitty to each other but what connects them kind is kind of shitty to each other <laughs> very shitty to each other i mean they get yeah. they, they get into a full on fist fight well and it that. starts off with, with uh you know there's a human girl right yeah and then there is an alien girl and they're, they're both attending school. And I'm not sure if this is, you know, like Hogwarts for Starfleet Academy. Cause it seemed, it certainly seemed private schooly. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't sure if this was, you know, a, a, a preparatory, a preparatory Academy for Starfleet. Right. Cause they're all wearing uniforms and the uniforms yeah. seemed a little Starfleetish. Um, so I'm not sure what, what that, what that, what that meant, but you know, certainly they're, they're in a private school setting and you know they're they're going off on a field trip, and the human girl knocks the book bag out of the alien girl's arms, and, which causes her to miss the shuttle flight to uh, wherever they're going. And you know, bitch. And, and you know, but you know, I'm also like, hey, why aren't they taking role on the shuttle? You know, I mean, is that something? Is, is that a technology so. we lost in the 23rd century or the 24th century? Well, I guess because it's like a school because, bus, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when uh, when we were going on field trips, they always called names before you uh, before you 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 disembarked. Well, right? So you didn't. So you know, no student left behind, Paul. <laughs> well, except in this episode, yes. Yeah. So she gets there on her own, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I I found amusing. I'm like, okay, she got there. Uh, you know, we didn't get to see the story of her hitching, (laughs) (laughs) you know, her having to turn tricks to get to, uh, (laughs) to get to school, to to get to the museum. (laughs) So, you know, so, so there's that they're sitting in a class and, uh, the, uh, the, the human girl, uh, forwards a note to her about, you know, a a caricature she's drawn of the teacher. And it's like, uh, you know, teacher sucks. Right. And then teacher finds it on alien girls notepad. And so, you know, she gets in trouble. So, you know, human girl, pretty terrible from the outset, pretty terrible, but you know, there's, there's a whole fist fight scene in the locker room. You know, we, we gotta, we knock her down. Oh, she, uh, they, she trips her in the library and then in the lockers in the hallway, they get into a full blown fist fight where they gotta get peeled off of each other. You know, it takes adults to come in and, and, and peel them off of each other. And the next thing you know, they've got to go see the Dean. And of course the Dean's a Vulcan ball. And we know from the beginning of the episode that the thing these two girls have in common, and by the way, spoiler, uh, the yeah. two things these these the, the the one thing these two girls have in common is that their parents work on Mars, and uh, you know the the uh, you know mother works on Mars of the alien girl, and the father works on Mars for the human girl. I should remember their names. I don't remember their names. I don't know that they ever out actually said them. Maybe they did. Uh, they did. They did. And I just, for the life of me, I can't remember. Because remember at the very beginning of the episode, my name is Yada. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really their only dialogue in the episode, right? Yeah. Because everything else is just under the uh, the music of Peter Gabriel. But we see these big screens and it shows that something terrible is happening on Mars. And Paul, for a very – because they don't really set what time period this is. Like you're given no clue as to when in Star Trek this is occurring, right? And you see all this destruction on Mars. And I'm like, oh, shit. Is this – you know, Locutus, uh, Locutus's, uh, attack on Mars as, as, uh, he's leading the Borg to Earth, you know, after the, the Battle of Wolf 359. Is that what we're seeing? And I got super excited for a moment. And then, you know, we see these, these, uh, 
uh, ships, which I believe they're called the Synth, S-Y-N-T-H, mm-hmm. uh, attacking Mars and destroying the Utopia Planitia shipyards and, you know, all of our, our, uh, you know, our, <laughs> yeah. all of the, all of the, the infrastructure there on Mars and, you know, just big explosions and, you know, clearly people are dying and, and hurt and injured. And, uh, you see an image of Admiral Picard come on the screen. You know, demonstrating that Admiral Picard's on the scene. And that's where it ends with these two girls who have been fighting through the whole episode, holding each other's hands because they've got this shared trauma. Paul, what would you think of this episode? You know, so when you you mentioned Synth, I didn't take that to be an alien race. Uh I took that to be shorthand for synthetic beings like Data. And maybe Uh there was like, you know, a a revel, you know, a revolt like you yeah. know, with the like, you know, all these data type beings type thing. Right. That's that's what I took it to mean. Uh, but you know, I, I guess it could be. Oh, and maybe, maybe. I mean, we don't I, I know. Just, just I assumed that's what they were, but I thought that maybe they were calling themselves the synth. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, I will say, you know, overall. It, well, let let me start by saying this is technically the first live action. Um. Star Trek set after uh, Nemesis. The correct, you know, yes. they, they've always, you know, we 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 Picard is coming, but you know, especially once you find out the time frame, this is technically the first live action post Nemesis. Post Nemesis, yep. yep. Um, yep. So anyway, uh, outside of that, I gotta say, like, while the episode is certainly well filmed, and I, of course, I like the Peter Gabriel thing, uh-huh. I didn't love it. Um, you know, I, I, I think we're going to have differing opinions cause I, I do think you cared for it, uh, more than I did. Uh, it wasn't bad, but like I, I, it, there wasn't enough meat on the bone again for me. And that's, that's kind of my, been my issue with most of these short tracks. Um, I'm just going to lead off with, I don't think you'll be made happy. Uh, <laughs> I, I am. I have, I have an inquenchable thirst. I guess. For- I think that you have a a a dark, cavernous hole in the middle of your soul that cannot be filled by good things. Well, we do know that's, that. I mean, that's not. Yeah, I, I mean, duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I liked it for a number of reasons. Um, these short tracks shouldn't be fully fully fledged stories because you know they're shorts, right? Um, I like that it's a glimpse of the impact of whatever this uh, issue is. It's clearly going to have an impact in Star Trek Picard. Um, and it, I, it gives you a flavor of the setting uh, going into Star Trek Picard. Um, you know, we get to see our hero, right? We get to see Picard, uh, even though it's, you know, it's on the, the Federation news feed. Um I think this episode did exactly what it needed to do. Um, I liked both of the girls. I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed the fact that there's still bullying going on in the 24th century. That yeah, there are still. But should there people. be? There shouldn't be. You're, you're right, and and I think what we were going to see before you know shit went south on Mars was that uh, you know Dean of Discipline, uh, Mister Vulcan, was going to come in and set some shit straight. You know, he was going to get all, you know, get his Vulcan Kung Fu going and really straighten this shit out and uh, uh, didn't get the opportunity to do that because, you know, since. So uh, 
I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. It, you know, demonstrate kids will be kids. Uh, this kind of shit still happens. And, and, you know, it also told you a little bit about the bully that, you know, bullies acting out because, you know, her father can't make the time to come home from Mars and, uh, you know, see his daughter, I presumably on her birthday, because it's like, I'm not going to make it home this year. Uh, I, I, I gathered that something was going on. And, you know, it shows him. You don't make time for your kid, you die. So... So that's the lesson that you should learn. That that is the lesson. Don't if you don't make time for your child, you die. Or is it the flip side? If you bully in school, your parents will die. <laughs> it's one of those. One of those is the lesson that you should learn from this episode. I guess it, it depends it, on how old it, you are. It, it could be both. <laughs> it could be. It could be both are the lesson. <laughs> don't make time for your kid, you die. You bully your you bully your 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 classmates in school, your parents die. I, I, There's really no no saving this. So maybe there was more depth to the seven minute episode See, than I expected. I'm telling you, <laughs> there, there's a life lesson in everything. But you know, I I think that uh, you know, based on what what we have seen so far about Star Trek Picard, which you know comes out what this Thursday, right? Yes, sir. Um, what we have seen so far, what we've seen in this 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 very episode of uh, of Short Treks, the Children of Mars, I. I have some concerns, oh. and I don't want to be that guy who's throwing hate on something before I've even seen it. That's not what this is. This is lifelong Star Trek fan having some fears about this thing that I'm super excited about. Um, and Paul, I wanted to I wanted to share that with you and see if maybe you you've got some concerns as well. But you know, I I, I was I was thrilled about the Star Trek Picard project when mm-hmm. uh it was announced i'm still thrilled about it i can't wait for this show but, yes but the thing that has me concerned mm-hmm. and I, I am this is this is my overwhelming concern and it goes back to star trek insurrection uh in which uh patrick stewart had influence on the, on the script just as he did in star trek nemesis in which he wanted to tell the story that not everything is kosher with Starfleet. That, you know, Starfleet is not the Starfleet of yesterday. That Starfleet, you know, has lost its way. That it is, you know, it, it is a, more bureaucracy than it is, you know, an agent for, for good in the galaxy. Um, that story was told wildly poorly <laughs> in insurrection and is also not a, it was you know Stewart's influence on the nemesis script does not demonstrate that it was a good influence um you know and I don't know how much of that was John Logan or how much of that was Patrick Stewart but both of those movies are terrible uh, nemesis much more so than insurrection but they are both bad movies and I got to tell you the thing that sets Star Trek apart from its peers is the hopefulness of of humanity. And that was really Gene Roddenberry's dream. That the that we had achieved in the twenty-third and twenty-fourth centuries uh you know such a level of of uh, of justice, of of uh, equality that you know there's still Injustice and inequality in the galaxy, but that's not humanity's, you know, issues anymore. That, that certainly you may have a person, 
who has you know problems. But you know, as as a a, a government, we have worked past those issues, and and you know, more often than not, force for good. This I, I get a strong sense that Starfleet's been up to some shenanigans, and that's what Patrick Stewart's got to come out of retirement to fix. Well, he's very much said, you know, this is a post-Brexit world, you know, the distrust of the government. Um, I mean, clearly Star Trek is a post-Brexit world, but his, but he wants to create <laughs> a Star Trek that speaks to, you know, the modern times, which, you know, Star Trek has always spoken to that, but more right. in the portrayal of alien races. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I don't I, – I am – when I when I when I talk when I when I talk about my favorite Star Treks, my favorite Star Trek is Deep Space Nine, where there are moral ambiguities and where people are pushed. But at the end of the day, Starfleet was you know a place of of equal justice and equality for all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that certainly in times of war we do things that we're not proud of. Right, which de- was demonstrated in Deep Space Nine, because that's the terrible thing about war, right? But at the end of the day, Justice League was still a place for justice, and we rooted out. Do you mean Starfleet? Uh, yeah, Starfleet. <laughs> you say? said Justice League. I'm like wrong podcast, oh, Aaron. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's Saturday morning. What am I doing? Uh, but yeah, Starfleet is is that place, and it just I'm, I'm I don't want to spend season after season of of rooting that out. I was fine with it in the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Because it made sense where they went. And so I'm, I've got some faith. And again, I'm talking about this, and we haven't even seen a single episode. I, this is just my fear. It's it's what I'm all bunched up about right now. You know, uh, my fear is that they are – I mean, very similar fear, but um, I guess worded a little differently. My main concern with Star Trek Picard is that they are – to in order to get Patrick Stewart, they have to make concessions, right? Like you said, to tell the stories that he wants to tell. Right. And you know, when I think of, when I think about things like that, and when I look, you know, they're like, just so you know, it's called Star Trek Picard for a reason. Every you know, the action takes a backseat to Picard, and blah blah blah. Right. And I'm like, uh, you know, because what 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 <laughs> what concerns me is that we're going to end up not in a, you know. Very dissimilar, but, um, you know, I think about – to compare it to to the Avengers, not the Justice League, but I think about Chris Hemsworth and the Thor character. In order to get Chris Hemsworth to sign on for more movies, they basically have to let him do what he wants with the character. And, you know, in in Thor – Ragnarok, you know, we, we saw Thor lose an eye and, you know, end up becoming like, uh, you know, a comedy. And then we get to Avengers and he's fat and, you know, like he's the dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they, they make concessions to keep him interested in the character. And I'm worried that we're going to see similar things in Picard that in order yeah. to tell, to, in order to tell a Picard story, they have to tell the Picard story that, that Patrick Stewart wants to tell. And maybe it'll work out in the long run. Um, you know, and, and it'll, everything will be fine. Cause I will say the series looks good. It I looks great. I just hear yeah. things that concern me, you know, yeah, because yeah. it is an event, you know, Star Trek at its core, it, regardless of the character interactions, regardless of the, um, you know, the, 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 stories that it's telling or the um you know the 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 way they're trying to bring in today's modern 
uh, news items as, you know, allegories in the Star Trek universe, it's always been an adventure show. Um, and you know, my concern is that that will take very much a step back to a lot of navel gazing. And I, I, am hopeful that that's not the case. I mean, because at least it seems to be advertised well, but Mm -hmm. you know, it could also go that way. You know, I think about the Irishman, um, you know, the, the movie that's on Netflix right now, you know, that, that feature, I I, I have not had the three and a half hours to, uh, invest in it. It is a fantastic movie, Mm -hmm. but you know, it, the these older guys are telling, you know, Scorsese just 10 years ago did The Departed, which was also three hours long, but moves like a rocket. Most of Scorsese's move, movies move like a rocket. Right. The Irishman yeah. moves like a slug. Like you feel <laughs> you feel every minute of that three and a half hours and it's good. Yeah. It's a good three and a half hours, but you feel every minute of it. And, I'm, right. you know, I, I have similar concerns with that. It's just going to be slow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that my concern is I'm fine if it's less adventure. I like adventure. Don't get me wrong. And the pacing needs to be there, but Star Trek as designed is hopeful. And I just don't want to spend a lot of time about, you know, uh, getting screwed over by, you know, the home office. That's the, I hate that in James Bond movies. Yeah. That there's always somebody all the time. yeah, there's somebody in the double O branch that's fucking bond over. Same thing in the in the uh Mission Impossible movies. Somebody inside is fucking Tom Cruise over. I don't want that in my Star Trek. Yeah. You know, and, and that that seems like weak sauce storytelling, you know. Uh and I, I just I don't want that. I, I I want to know that the guys at home office got our back. Yeah. Because we don't have that in real life, Paul. So I'd like that in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fantasy for a reason. That is right. That is right. And, you know, the the Star Trek formula, and and again, I'm not opposed to change. Let's just not, uh, you know, throw everything out and just paint this very dark view of the 24th century because that's what makes Star Trek different from everything else, right? There's plenty of dark science fiction out there for you. Uh, Go watch The Expanse. I love The Expanse, but it ain't Star Trek. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Star Trek, Star Trek is something else. Star Trek is a morality play and is is designed to be hopeful to show that, you know, when you work together, good shit happens. And uh, that that's my big concern. And and I hope that I hope that they they allay those fears Um, because I really want to enjoy this. I, I, I am I I loves me some Star Trek Discovery. I am all geared up. To love me some Star Trek Picard. So, Paul, when are you going to watch? You going to watch on Thursday? I'm going to watch it Thursday. In fact, um, so my buddy Brett will come. Your buddy Brett. My buddy Brett, uh, oh. huge Star Trek guy. Um, you know, I, I feel like so, uh, a little bit of a weight problem. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I feel like he would be a much better Star Trek podcaster than me because he knows a lot more. Um, but you know, he's going to come over. We're going to drink my. My uh, my Captain Kirk whiskey. I got. I ordered that Picard uh, red wine and the um, Federation Reserve uh, two pack wines that they had on sale during the holidays. So uh-huh. I'm I'm alcohol ready and looking forward. So you're gonna you're gonna drink your Captain Kirk bourbon? Yes, 
I, I mean, I've that, been that, drinking it. They're, uh, that it, that it, Captain Kirk bourbon night. is, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that Captain Kirk bourbon is fantastic. It really is. Uh, I, when I bought that, I thought for sure it was just going to be a novelty whiskey and it just tastes like anything else, you know, that it would just wouldn't have any character. But they did a, a marvelous job of curating a small batch bourbon mm-hmm. uh, for that. And I mean, I, I have been, I have enjoyed it so much that I'm not drinking much of it. Because, you know, when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it is so damn good. It's one of my favorite bourbons, to be perfectly yeah, honest. It is a great go-to bourbon. Yeah, it really is. So, really you is. know, I, I, I'm, it, it was surprising because, you know, it could very much be a gimmicky thing. Um, and if you're interested uh-huh. in it, it uh, silverscreenbottling.com. Yep, yep. Is where you can check it out. I, I believe they still have some in stock. They also have a continental straight bourbon whiskey for you, John Wick fans. Um, the Fixer, which I think is a reference to Ray Donovan, uh, Dutch, like the Predator. Like they 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 they, they market uh, kind of tie in alcohol products. They also have yeah. Ten Forward Vodka. Um, you know, like the Next Generation. So I mean, the, I think there's a there's a Scotty Scotch. I believe I haven't had. Oh, it. that's right. Yeah, I haven't had. I'm not a big Scotch guy, but I know you. I, are. You know, you know me. You know me. I never met a whiskey I didn't like. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it Thursday. Are you, are you going to be watching it Thursday as well? Yes, I will. I will be watching Thursday. So I'm sure you and I will get together and record shortly thereafter. Yes. So you, dear listener, can expect another Star Trek with Aaron and Polly in the next week or so. Um, that is correct. And in the meantime, while you are waiting for that episode, we would love to hear back from you. Um, you can check us out on our social media accounts, IOM Geek on Instagram and Facebook, at Ideology Madness on Twitter. I feel like we should fix that at some point um, to be consistent. Uh, it can actually be found by, by, with both names. Oh. You can find it Ideology Madness. You can find it at IOM Geek as well on Twitter. There you go. Bo- both will work. Look at that. I never knew. Yeah. Well, yeah. we also have a hotline. That is true. We have a hotline, and you know, we'd love to hear your fears about Picard and your hopes as well. Let's keep this positive. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Paul? Yes, sir. Hailing frequencies are open. (laughs) They are. (laughs) All right. We will we will see you on the other side of episode one of Star Trek Picard. Ooh, so exciting. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 